Denver Ad School is filled with passionate creatives from all different backgrounds. In this episode, I sat down with art director and advertising aficionado, Riley Draper. Because it's Riley, we talk about Kanye, but we also talk small town living and going to college with no idea of what you want to do with your life. My name is Jeff Allery, and this is Journey to Ad. You have a breakdown of your name, Riley West Draper, and you explain each part of that. So would you mind uh, taking me through that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I mean, obviously it's kind of funny if you've ever seen like Mad Men, uh, the main character, Don Draper, like yeah. I shared the last name with him. And I always thought that that was, you know, like getting into advertising is one of those things that was like kind of a cheeky joke, but it's definitely been kind of funny to have that. And then, I don't know, I guess as I've gotten older, I've realized that my name does sort of like it weirdly fits me perfectly in, in that sense of like, it has like there's these three sort of different yeah phases of it. Like Riley, um, we've joked around in class about saying that like Riley's kind of a dog's name. Like I've met a million golden retrievers named Riley, which is fine because I think, I don't know, not that I'm like super like a dog, but I think it fits my personality a little bit. That sort of like extreme optimism and, and like playfulness or whatever. And then there's West, which I'm a big fan of Kanye West, um, which is also kind of just a crazy coincidence that my middle name is his last name. And then, yeah, Draper, which is like, obviously, I'm into advertising and doing advertising. So it kind of fits at least the Mad Men a little bit. So I'm, I don't know. It was just one of those things where I'm sitting there like trying to write my about me. And I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting that my name describes these three big personality traits of mine, like something I like, something I, I do, and maybe a little bit about my like my personality and who I am. So let's pretend for a second that I don't know a lot about Kanye West, which I don't. Why, why Kanye? Why such an enthusiast for Kanye? Okay. So I've, I've actually thought about this a ton because I'm always thinking about Kanye. Uh, <laughs> he's, I think, I think the reason that I'm like attracted to him as an artist is that I have a passion for like things that maybe feel a little bit underground and he's like kind of the opposite. Like he's super, super mainstream, but there's also this element to him that I feel like people are missing all the time. And he's really like weird and mysterious and disconnected. And, and for how famous he is, I feel like people completely misunderstand him. They don't recognize like what he's doing. They don't see all these things with him. And and sort of, I love, I love that about him that he can be this just like massive superstar, but still like completely misunderstood, you know, misquoted, misrepresented. He's just like, he's very like, um, he's an enigma. And I, I find that fascinating about him. And, and I, and I want to also preface that, like, I do understand, like a lot of people have issues with him. He, he said a lot of, he said a lot of very like crazy or like maybe um, insensitive sounding thing. He can be and very polarizing. Absolutely. He's like the most polarizing guy out there. It's another reason why I guess I kind of like him, but it's like, he, he gets you to think, you know, but I guess I wanted to let, I wanted to say that I understand, you know, like I'm not a, like a brainwash. Like I see everything he does as good. I mean, I, I think the guy's incredibly interesting, but like everybody has faults. Nobody's perfect. He, he makes mistakes. He says the wrong thing. I mean, I guess that's like a little bit of why I like him is he, he comes across to me as just like very like um, genuine faults and all like he's got all, he's got issues, but he's, you know, he's an artist. He's interesting. He's meant to entertain. And I think he does a really good job of that. In addition to just appreciating him as an artist and for being like his own like unique self, 
do you enjoy like the the music and what he produces I mean, absolutely. I'm a big fan of his music. Okay. Uh, I, it's weird. A, a lot of people like Kanye's older music, but I, I think, I don't know, every album he drops, I love. I love all his new stuff. I love all his old stuff. Like, I, not to sound like the, I am kind of a crazy Kanye fan, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely am a fan of his music. Do you, do you separate the artists from the views? Well, I think, yeah, in an, in an epi- in a, in a sense, I, I absolutely can separate them and, and just listen to a song and say, Oh, that was a good song or, Oh, that some, you know, something somebody produced was, was good on its own disconnected to them. But I also, I think part of the, the coolness of art and, and music and all that stuff is connecting it to the person and, and understanding like that context of, of where it came from. And I, and I do think it all comes down to that. Like that there's like, people are multifaceted. Like no one is 100% good or 100% bad. And so I think it, it's, that's, that's really hard to like sum up for people in like a headline, like a news headline can only be, you can only be good or bad in a news headline. They can't yeah. really express that somebody maybe has a you know, bad tendency or makes mistakes or has mental disorder, uh, but also is a talented artist or a you know, funny comedian or whatever the situation is. That being said, cancel culture, I'm not anti-cancel culture, especially if, it, if the people have done something like really wrong. They absolutely should be, you know, the society shouldn't put up with stuff like that. You know, like if, right. if, uh, and I, and I don't know all the allegations of everybody who's ever been canceled or whatever, but, but neither do I <laughs> something that's genuinely wrong, like sexual assault or something like that, like that, obviously they shouldn't be glorified. They shouldn't be like, I'm not trying to defend anybody who's, who's done something wrong like that. Well, that, that makes absolute sense. Well, I'd like to then go back to the very beginning, which as Julie Andrews once said, is a very good place to start. Uh, Riley, where are you from? So I was actually born in a small town right outside of Chicago. And I moved to another small town in um, Colorado called uh, Montrose, which is where I grew up and went to high school. It was a, it was a cool time. Yeah. Montrose is a Western slope. Not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess that's like <laughs> Is it so is it like up in the in the mountains? Is it kind of like where where in the state are we talking is Montrose? It's, it's on the yeah, the western side of the state. It's kind of like after the mountains, like basically the Rocky Mountains run through the middle of Colorado and right. so there's there's Denver and Boulder and all this stuff um on the eastern side and then you cross the mountains and then Montrose is like sort of when you're starting to come out of the mountains and then it sort of turns into like a desert and goes into Utah. Mm, um, so okay. it's like, there's still mountains around there. Like Telluride is a big ski mountain. Uh, or it's not a mountain, but it's a big ski resort that yeah. people go to. And um, yeah, so it's like, it's kind of in between there. It's nestled in there. It's in a bit of a valley. So is it kind of like a very small town feel then? Or Yeah, definitely a small town. And, and I think what's interesting is that you don't really realize how small your town is until you like, leave it and and get out of there like I remember when I moved out of Montrose like even I went to CU Boulder and, and moving to Boulder I remember that being like this huge like whoa like this is the big city like this is crazy <laughs> which is, it's very funny because Boulder is absolutely like not a big city at all but it was just such a huge jump you know I think you, you get really normalized to the smallness so yeah it was pretty small I think I think uh sorry 30,000 people so not like too okay. small but I think for a, for a frame of reference, that many people go to see you. So I went from a place <laughs> where 
the whole town was now my age going to the same college I was, which is like, that was a big shift on its own of being like, wow, I went from, it's like a whole town, a whole Montrose, but just. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. Being in a, in a small town, what sorts of things did you grow up doing? Like both like hobbies, like for fun, like what, what was it like growing up there? Well, uh, I think there's, there's a, the, one of the biggest perks about growing up in a small town is I think you, you, you get into sort of like wholesome trouble. Uh, you don't do, I mean, and I'm not speaking for everybody. I don't know other people, but at least within my friend group, the kind of trouble that we were getting into was like, not that bad of stuff, you know, like a common thing we would do is like, we would go camping and it was really just an excuse to go out and drink (laughs) in the wilderness. But there was this element of like being able to sort of get out and, and go and do that stuff as opposed to, I don't know, like not being able to really escape. I think we were all like super independent. uh, So we were always just like hanging out. Obviously there was like school took up a bunch of time in terms of, of hobbies, I was actually, I feel like I, I wasn't very creative at all growing up. I really? didn't really take any graphic design classes or anything like that in, in high school. Uh, I felt like I never had time um, for things like that. I was always, I don't know, my, my schedule was always completely full. And what was uh, your schedule filled with then? It was, was it class stuff or yeah, like classes. Or like I, I was in, it was kind of weird. The way the school worked is it was sort of like, if you were smart enough to get into certain classes, you were just basically, no matter what you were in that class, if that makes sense. So it's sort of like, whether you liked chemistry or not, if you were like a smarter kid, you were in like AP chemistry. And so sure. I did a lot of stuff that was like really unrelated to me. Not, not the saying I was smart, but I was in that track of like people who, you know, I was doing things that weren't really interesting to me, but it just felt like you were supposed to do that. Like everyone was, you know, if you could make it to that level, that's the class you were in. And so I did a lot of that. And then the other big thing, um, I was in marching band actually all through high school. So that took up a lot of time as well. I guess in a sense you could say that was creative, but it wasn't sure. like, it wasn't making, it was just like, yeah, performing and learning. Music is great. What did you play? I played the alto saxophone, um, which was cool. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. I was in it all four years. It was just like what, I don't know, all my friends were in it. I think it was just a, it was a cool, fun way for all of us to like, I don't know, hang out together. But it did take up a bunch. Like it took up, you know, at least one class every quarter or semester or whatever it was. Okay, gotcha. So you actually like had meetings during class and everything too? Yeah, there was a there was like a class and then there was like after school and stuff and like there was like band camp in the summer where you'd spend like a week working on stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of work actually, but um yeah, I think it was worth it. It was a lot of fun. You got to go on like trips and stuff. That's cool. Was your band good? We started really bad and it was cool because my freshman year, they got a new marching band teacher in the school. And I think he had like a lot of ambitions to make this, the band and the school better. And within, so it was his first year and it was our first year. And within the four years, I think we like, I don't know the exact like numbers or whatever, but I I do remember our final year, like our senior year, we ended up going to the, like the finals of the state competition, um, Mm -hmm. which hadn't been done. in I think a very long time in at Montrose. So there was like definitely like big improvement. And it was this big whole thing that we had all sort of come around together. I think it's kind of interesting that I, that I'm part of the first class at Denver ad school because it's happened to me before where I'm part of this, like 
first ever group and end up being like super successful with that. So like, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm hoping to pull it off again. Here. <laughs> yeah. We, you you practiced time. once and hopefully now you're going to rock it a second time. Yes. Too. I'm just, you know, pioneer from day one. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, that comes from, you know, growing up in a small town in Colorado, I'm sure. You right. Know? Absolutely. You know, p- big pioneer vibes out there. <laughs> Well, so then you're very involved in the marching band. Mm-hmm. Did you have an idea then? Because, I mean, you were taking all these sort of like advanced classes as well of what you wanted to do then when you were getting to school? Absolutely not. I had zero. I, when I, I, I went to CU as like an undeclared major and I literally had no idea what I was doing. And, it, and once again, it was kind of like along with that that same way with taking those advanced classes, just sort of like everybody's going to college. I want to go to college and get that experience, but I really have absolutely zero idea what I'm doing with my life or what I want to do. And I guess I had maybe like little vague things. Like I took some random classes. I liked philosophy. I liked um, like environmental studies. I thought like I, I, I was into like the environment, but I was, I don't know. I would just take these classes and go, oh, is this really me? What could I do with this? And I ended up taking this class at CU that was designed for people in the undecided undeclared major and it was literally just a class designed to help you figure out what you want to do with your life and it was honestly like the weirdly the most helpful class i've ever taken because we just looked at everything really practically like i remember the exact exercise that we did where we took a packet of all the majors that were available at the school and just went through and crossed out the ones we didn't like And what you realize after going through and just crossing out your options is like you really kind of narrow down what you can do. And all of a sudden things kind of like make a little bit more sense to like what you want. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking, you're not picking from an infinite level of possibilities. You're just picking from like six. And in that sense, it's like makes the decision way, way easier. And I think it came down to like some crazy ones. Like the last three were like philosophy major, brain surgeon, or <laughs> advertising. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be a brain surgeon. Like, there's just no way I can't do that. It just sounded cool. I just didn't want to cross it off, honestly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, advertising. And then all of a sudden I went advertising. Like, that's kind of interesting. Like, maybe there's something there. Maybe that, I don't know. And I took an intro class and I guess the rest was history. So what was it that like was kind of interesting to you about advertising because for a lot of people advertising leaves a bad taste in their mouth in terms of like, I don't want to deal with commercials. I hate commercials. Yes. I've always had a feverish hate for advertising and commercials. Uh, As somebody who watched a lot of TV growing up, they're just like the bane of my existence. I've always hated them. I've always thought they were trash, which is kind of, I guess, maybe why it was a blind spot to me of why I never considered actually doing it. I think there's this thing about advertising that it's this weird mix of all these different things. And, and I never wanted to feel pinned down to one thing, right? Like my mom always told me that I should be a lawyer when I was growing up because I really like to argue and I never shut up. <laughs> and I, I feel like I can just talk and, and argue with people all day, but I can't do all the reading, I think is the, the solution that I got to. So everything that I would come to, like, I'd be like, oh, I should be a lawyer. But then I'd go, I'm not smart enough for that. I don't like reading enough for that. I can't do that. And I'd go, okay, so that one doesn't really work. And then I'd think of something like film. I go, I love movies. I love I love film. I love all this stuff and being creative. Like that would be so sweet. And I go, "Eh, but it's not really quite me. It's not exactly what I want to do. Like I'm not, 
I'm not, I'm not necessarily an artist. I wouldn't describe myself as an artist. And so in a way, advertising felt like this thing that almost sort of like was in the middle of those two things. It was mm -hmm. like, you get to be creative, you get to do new things, but it's also very like structured and has, you know, like there's like a, there's a business goal to it. There's like these elements to it that make it feel like professional. So it felt like I got to be an artist and I got to be a business guy and I got to do both of those at the same time. And, and that's where I feel like it really clicked for me is that it, it didn't feel like one thing. It felt like a little connection of a lot of things that could apply to anything. That's really interesting because I feel like with a lot of people I've talked to, advertising was kind of the selling out version of, oh, I, I didn't want to cut it as an artist or I didn't right. think I could. So instead, I went the advertising route. But for you, it was just enough kind of art and other stuff, it sounds yes, like. Yes, exactly, exactly, right. It's just enough of all these different sort of, um, yeah, these elements. I, I, and there is an element of like being like, man, I just don't think I could make it as an artist. I mean, you hear that like starving artist thing and, and yeah. I don't know, maybe it was just weird, but it just felt like, I don't know. It's like, it's not me. I'd be lying if I said, oh yeah, I'm an artist. I, you know, I can't draw or anything. I'm not, I'm not that type of person, but I'd also be lying if I said I didn't have like creative elements. So like there is, there is like, I need a certain amount of creativity to be happy, but not too much. So yeah, it's definitely a nice middle ground. Well, so what, what kind of clicked for you? Because you said when you were growing up, you didn't really consider yourself a creative, like you weren't really involved in like art per se, but then you discovered that like you kind of needed to have some sort of creative itch to scratch. So what was kind of that discovery process like for you? Well, I don't know. That's, that's actually really interesting. I think, you know, I started taking these classes and I started, I started seeing good advertising. I think that was a big thing that really clicked for me, you know, growing up all you see is what they're showing on tv and it's all just like it's like complete garbage like everything you see on tv it's it's like 99 percent of it is very bad and and it's also like the way you're seeing it you're seeing it as like this interruption to the content you were trying to watch like it's never this thing of like let's let's look at this and learn about this so i think once i started looking at ads that really clicked in my mind of like like seeing just some of the, like the classic historic ads that were really cool and, and that did big things. I, I think a lot of those started to change my mind about advertising and then just taking more and more classes, take, starting to take design classes and, and learning that, realizing that there's sort of this whole world behind graphic design that you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be a talented illustrator to dive into that sort of thing. So I think there was some other stuff that sort of, you know, in my mind to be creative was just like, you're good at drawing, you know, or mm -hmm. you're good at computers or whatever it is. And, and I didn't ever really consider that there's, there's other ways to be good at things. So there's like other stuff to be good at, like type and other forms of design. So I think taking classes like that really got me interested as well in doing some more like creative stuff. And I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't know if there was ever like a singular moment where it clicked, but I think yeah. all those things added up and then you know, I found myself running today. Knowing Riley, I can't imagine him doing anything other than advertising. His energy and the excitement that he brings every day is completely infectious. Let's take an ad break before we go back down the rabbit hole with Riley Draper.
The world is more connected thanks to Zoom, but is that a good thing? Things have gotten pretty awkward these days, like when your coworker can't turn off a video filter, you make a sarcastic remark that your boss hears because you're off mute, or your mom accidentally walks in naked for everyone to see. We've all been there. Fortunately, the rejected interns of Zoom are pleased to present Crawl, a new way to video conference that is compatible with all other video conferencing software. With Crawl, you can record responses for when your boss calls on you while you're not paying attention, and we offer the glitchiest video possible, guaranteed to overload the meeting bandwidth. You'll also love the subchat feature, which will let you share posts with other Crawl users instead of paying attention in the meetings. The world we live in is more connected than ever, but at Crawl, that connection is becoming slower than ever. We're back with Riley, so buckle up because we discuss a lot. We talk about Riley's early professional experience before he decided to come to Denver Ad School, the importance of being a good person and creative partner, his Instagram, and more. So I know from talking to Alicia previously that you guys kind of met up while you were both at CU Boulder. Yes. And so you both kind of finished up through that advertising program together? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then what was kind of that process then like for you, like afterwards, um, like after school, like looking for jobs? Right. So it's, it's actually really funny. Like me and Alicia have sort of, we, we sort of like hit it off from day one in terms of like being creative partners she was in the military. So she joined our class like halfway through, like after we had already taken one semester and then she joined. So she was sort of the new person. And I remember the class that I was in, the, the people that I was in class with, I really just felt like they did not care about advertising. Like they didn't mm. care about making anything. They didn't care about the class they, they were in. Like it was, it was completely like, it, it very much felt like a lot of them were just kind of phoning it in. Like it wasn't their thing. They were just sort of like, there because they were getting the degree or whatever and alicia was the first person who came in who was like willing to work with me who had that sort of that that passion for it and who actually wanted to make things good and i think because of that we did really well together and then because of that we've maintained like a professional relationship ever since so we graduated from cu and then i got an internship at an agency called school in boulder Mm -hmm and worked there and eventually was hired on there as well. And Alicia was still sort of like looking for jobs. She's like, was sort of doing her own thing. I remember talking to her and saying, I could really like, it would be awesome if I could like help you get a job here. Like, it'd be so cool to work with you again and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up not like, not that my say was anything, but I, I, I recommended her and said, oh, this is a person I've worked with before that I think is like really, really cool. And they're like, okay, well, like, we'll um, check her out. Like they sort of just put her in the pile of the other resumes or whatever. And so Alicia um, owes everything to you is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I owe everything to Alicia as well, because I wouldn't have gotten that internship if me and her hadn't worked together and done the cool work that had gotten into my what then was my book which was really nothing but it was at least the start and and because of the work me and her did what one of the crazy things about it was that we we ended up winning um, a merit award from the one club uh, when we worked together and we got to fly out to New York, uh, which was so amazing. It like literally changed my life because I, I really want to move there now. Um, okay. And it was because of that trip. I had never been 
and we got to go to New York because of this piece of work that we did together and we got to go there and accept an award and tour agencies and like talk to people at portfolio reviews and all that stuff. And that, all that stuff, I think really, really set me up to get the internship that I then, that I later got. So yes, okay. I, she, she does owe everything to, to me, but I owe everything to her. That's <laughs> such a good like relationship. It's such a good um, creative bond. Fair enough. But so as I, as I really interrupted you, so you, you, no, essentially no. you both got to school then, and then you worked at mm-hmm. school for a while, right? Yes. And then that all went great, but we were working at school and everything was going good, but uh, school was just not doing well financially. They just mm-hmm. couldn't keep it going. And they closed at the end of 2019, I believe Okay, um, was sort of when it ended uh, me and Alicia kept a couple of the creative projects. Like we sort of shifted and just sort of did them freelance from home. We actually started working from home before the quarantine happened. And so that was sort of like something we were already a little bit used to. School shut down. We had gone remote initially with school, which was, it was just kind of crazy to, to, uh, to be able to like go fully remote. And then literally like four months later, the whole world like follows, like everybody else just goes, now everyone else is in that same exact boat, which was like, it felt relieving because it felt like, oh, this is no problem for me. Like I already know, like I'm already set up, like I'm already good to go. But it was also kind of, it was just funny that it sort of normalized everything. Once again, you were the pioneer. You yes, started exactly. it four months oh earlier. <laughs> I didn't even realize I pioneered the quarantine. I was staying in my room doing nothing all day <laughs> before everybody else did it. So you can put that in my bio or whatever. <laughs> you can put that yeah. in your own bio. but I'll put yes. that in my own bio. I'm the pioneer of quarantine. Absolutely. There you go. So school went under, but so you'd gotten some real world experience there and you had somewhat of a portfolio from CU Boulder. Why then the decision to go to an ad school? Because you were already kind of in that world. Right. So that's actually really interesting. And I think the short answer is that Heather and Jesse are extremely charming people. <laughs> but the long answer is that I, I met um, Jesse and Heather. We were actually at the career fair at CU. Um, I was there uh, representing school, I guess you could say. So like we would okay. just go, we had like a little booth for school that people could show up and like talk to us and ask us questions and drop off their resumes and stuff. It was like, it was basically where we found um the new season of interns every year. And so we were at this, we were at school and it was just wrapping up and um, yeah, Jesse and Heather came up to us and they were talking to us and just asking us some questions. And I told them that I'd gone to see you and that they were, they were super interested in asking like little questions about, yeah, like what the ad scene is like here and what to add, like where, like, is there an ad club for like students? Like they were just sort of interested in like what's going on in sort of the student world of advertising and, we were talking, they, they, they had this, like, um, they had some of their like promotional materials. Like they had the little like starter guide book thing or whatever and their business cards and all their stuff looked so cool. And I was like, these people are really, these people are awesome. Like, this is really cool. And we sort of hit it off. And I I don't remember if we ended up trading like phone numbers or whatever, but we sort of stayed in contact. I think they, maybe they sent us an email or something. We ended up talking to them more and more, both me and Alicia, because Alicia was there for this. And I think I didn't realize at the time, but they were sort of like vetting me. Like they were sort of like, I don't know, trying to like figure out who I was almost as if like, I was sort of in an interview without realizing I was in an yeah. interview for it. 
one day they were like, oh, like, can we get, like, let's all go get lunch. Like, can we get, like, let's talk over lunch, basically. And talked. And they were like, uh, Riley, like, we really want you to come to our ad school. Like, you're very cool. We like you. You know, you should do it. And I had really honestly never considered it before. Like, I, when I first heard about it, the first thing I thought was, oh, I wish I had known about this before I went to see you and, like, did everything. It was right around the time when they were offering it to me that school was basically going under. And I was kind of just like, I don't really know what else I'm doing right now. I don't know. I don't have anything lined up. My plan was to work. I, I knew my book needed work, but my plan was just to do it on my own, which looking back was a completely unrealistic idea of like how things get done. Like there's just no way, you know, I, I think about the hours that I've put into Denver ad school. And if, if I had any thought ever that I could do that much work without the structure of Denver ad school, like I'm literally the craziest person who lives. Cause <laughs> I just, I you just wouldn't do it. You know, maybe I would work how, you know, how much could you work on something when it's just your own like willpower to do it? So either it, way, it's different when you have someone's else, someone else's deadlines to like deal right. with. And when Absolutely. you're working with other people. So I, I totally understand you know, maybe I'd get something done, but right. No professional feedback. No, like I would have had to do it all on my own, which not that that would have been the worst thing, but like it kind of would have been the worst thing. And <laughs> they, they, uh, you know, just talking to them, I realized I was kind of at this point in my life where I was like, this is a really cool school. It's opening up. I, you know, they want me to go. I really want to go. Why not? Like, let's just do it. And so we, I went for it and I'm very, very glad that I did. It was um, a really cool experience. So. So in, in talking to Alicia and also hearing from some of your other classmates and, and from what I've seen, you're an extremely talented designer. So it shocks me that you didn't have like any sort of design experience kind of before school. Yeah. Um, but then you also are probably the, the person that I know that gets the most excited to talk about advertising and ideas and concepting, except for maybe Graciela, but yes. still the two of you are. It's in, hard to match her energy. <laughs> yeah. But then other people have called you copy curious. Ah, yes. And so it, it seems like you like wearing all the hats or at least you have talent to wear kind of all the hats in advertising. Mm -hmm. So kind of what do you consider yourself? Like, are you a, are you a design centric art director? Are you a conceptual art director? Are you mm -hmm. just an, an advertising like tour de force? Like what, <laughs> how would you kind of describe yourself? Well, <laughs> I definitely don't consider myself any kind of tour de force, but okay. <laughs> it's in a weird way. I think I like to keep in perspective, like maybe so, sort of the long-term goal, which is that I would like to be a creative director one day. And I think it's not that I'm copy curious because I want to be a creative director, but at least that helps me sort of justify it a little bit as saying like a person who is good at advertising in my mind should be not on an Island. Like they should be branching into those other things. And, mm. and I think there's something about like, at least in me, I just have a, like a natural like curiosity towards it. I guess I do consider myself more of a conceptual person. I think that also lends to it, you know, because a concept can be executed through a line or through an, a visual or, or whatever it is. And so mm -hmm. I think when you're trying to just think about the idea that can manifest in like copy and stuff like that. I mean, it's actually kind of more of a problem for me, I think, than it is <laughs> a, a, a benefit because 
it can be really touchy. And I, and I don't want to like ever be the person who's, who's known as somebody who like rewrites other people's work or does anything like that. Like I'm absolutely like trying to be the furthest person from that. But I do, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think of a taglines every once in a while when I'm, when I'm working with something, it's just like part of the, it's like part of thinking about the whole ecosystem of advertising. When you're thinking about all of it, when you're thinking about a digital creation, uh, like a digital execution or a, an experiential thing, like you're also going to be thinking about, well, what, yeah, what does it sound like? What is it going to say? Like that sort of thing. So in a way, yeah, I am copy curious. Oh, and there's another thing I'd like to add to that is sure a big place of inspiration for me was this design agency in Boulder called cast iron design. It's now mm-hmm. the office of ordinary things. They are some of my, it's, it's, it's run by Johnny black and Richard Roche and they are, I think I'm pronouncing his last name maybe wrong. I, I don't know. I, I apologize <laughs> if I've, everyone pronounced it wrong, but I'm another one of those people. They are some of the most talented designers that I've ever met. Like they're truly like really, really the coolest designers. And there's something about all of their work that it has. It always has this sort of tone. It's just, it's just them. They don't have a copywriter that works with them, but they have some of the best like tone and an interesting copy And I think that's really like, it's weirdly what makes their designs so amazing. It's not just like the words they choose to like that they design, but it's like, yeah, what they're choosing to design. It's like, Mm -hmm. there's something about that, that their voice comes across so strong in all their work. And I've always loved that. Like there's like this weird dynamic that's sort of the best designers. They're the best designers because they're also really good copywriters. Like they're the best copywriters in a way. So I've always loved that. And I've always loved that philosophy of like, how do I, you know, how do I be a better designer by being a better copywriter? It's like, it's weird. It feels backwards, but I really do. No, that is really interesting. It seems like your approach is almost kind of like, like holistically, like how do I solve this problem or approach this idea, which I don't know. I feel like that, that's something that is like really, really a strength in advertising and like helpful for like developing ideas and pushing things further and working with people. Absolutely. But it also, I think I'm just also kind of a control freak or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I'm trying like not to throw myself under the bus, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's just hard for me. It's hard for me because, you know, especially with Denver ad school, it's like making your own book. It's something that I've run into a bunch where it's like working with others is really difficult. I think I do it well, but I, it's really a difficult skill to like work with other people. And there's like this, this huge element of trust. And I think sometimes I have a hard time trusting the people I'm working with. And, and maybe that manifests in like trying to, you know, do everything myself, which I don't want to be, but sometimes that's like the way I deal with fear about oh man like I got it this has to be right this is going to my book this is my career this is everything like <laughs> sometimes it manifests it, it sounds nice I like the way you put it like oh I'm just thinking about it holistically but I think there's, <laughs> there's bad elements to it too there's good elements and bad elements. okay well fair enough so so what is it then that going back to your kind of partnership with Alicia what is it about that that kind of works for you and, and maybe then you can take some of that to apply to future kind of yeah, partnerships absolutely. moving forward. No, I think in a weird way, I think me and Alicia just get along really, really well. Um, like she's an excellent copywriter, but I think what I enjoy, like there's other people who are really good, but they're just not as pleasant to work with. There's something about working with Alicia, um, like me and her together. It's very, 
I don't, it just works. It just like completely, there's like, I don't feel like we ever argue. We're always on the same page about things. She's just like, she's pleasant to do stuff. She's a hard worker. It's like, it's like, those are the sort of things. And I've, I've always heard people say that um, when they're talking about hiring, when they say, Oh, we just like, really like we're trying to hire somebody that we want to like hang out with and, mm-hmm. and be around because that's kind of what it is. And there's always sort of this like thing of like, yeah, would you rather? Yeah. I, I think many people would say we'd rather hire somebody who's really a really cool person and a nice person than somebody who's more talented, but a piece of shit basically. Yeah. So like, I think it kind of, not saying that she isn't talented, but Alicia is extremely nice to work with. I think that's why we do so well together. And okay. What would I take from that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, be nice myself. Be, I'm trying to be like her to other people. I want people to think that about me is that, oh, he's so nice to work with. Maybe he's not the best, but he yeah. you know, is really easy to do. Well, like, well, let's give you 60 seconds right here. What, what's cool about you? What, what would people enjoy hanging out doing with you? Go. Okay. What's <laughs> cool about me is... I never stop talking. I can talk all day. And so if you don't like talking and you don't like, you just want to like hang out, I'll, I can, I can sit here and talk to myself or you all day long. I could do this forever. Uh, <laughs> I think that makes things nice, especially in creativity. Cause a lot of it is just keeping it going. Like, I don't know if that's like a writing technique where you just sort of like, don't stop writing. Like even if it's just gibberish, even if you're just scribbling on the page, just keep going. And I think I, I think I'm good at that in a sense, in terms of creative stuff, I can just keep going forever and mm-hmm. ever and ever. I'll never stop. And, and that's like <laughs> annoying. It's very annoying, but it can also be, it, it can also be nice to like hang out with or come up with ideas with. I think that's um, maybe my little benefit. So I want to talk about kind of one other thing, which I think you may have mentioned, but your Instagram is remarkable. Thank you. I, uh, granted I'm, I'm new to Instagram. I downloaded Instagram because I came to Denver ad school. I was like, I should probably know how this works. But so you have this very unique kind of like curated collage feel to it. Wow. Yeah. So what was kind of the, the inspiration for that and how, I don't know, just how, how did it all come to be? I guess I suppose it started as an accident, um, <laughs> but it was maybe an element of a little bit of that stuff, you know, going to see you, I had a regular Instagram in high school, like just you'd post pictures of your friends and like nothing super crazy going to see you. I started, I started looking at like creative projects a little differently. I remember this very first one. It was, I took all these pictures of my roommate's cat on Snapchat and, and Snapchat has this feature where you can cut out little like stickers. And I was making these like weird collages with the cat as like the sticker. Like I was doing weird <laughs> patterns with like the cat all over the screen and, and doing all this weird stuff because um, I really loved that cat. And I don't know, it was weird, but I wanted to be able to show it. And I was just learning Photoshop and things like that. And I thought it'd be cool to do, I, I guess I'd, I'd probably seen it somewhere, but the idea of like posting like a multi-picture picture, posting it so that you can see it on the whole grid but it's a bunch of individual pieces. And so I remember I I had some like, some like weird, yeah, cat Snapchat art that I wanted to show on my Instagram, but I wanted it to be like, I wanted it to feel big and crazy. And so I made it into the grid and I sort of stumbled into that idea of doing all my posts like that. And from that, I started doing just like, I don't know, some weird stuff. And it was really bad. Like it was, you know, there'd be like a bunch of pictures where, you know, 
like the whole grid looks cool, but the individual picture looks really dumb. Like it's just like a, a piece of the sky. Like it's just the blue part of the sky and, and um, little things like that, which was like, I don't know, people are starting to get a little bit annoyed. I was like clogging up their feeds with all these like, <laughs> junk pictures that they were like, I don't want to go look at your profile. Like this sucks. Like I was sort of getting that from my friends. They were giving me shit about it. And from all of that, it sort of ended up just refining more and more into this thing. And and I got crazier and crazier about the sort of like the Photoshop template that I was building and, and building out posts further and further along. And it suddenly sort of turned into this thing where it was never like my grand scheme to make my Instagram like that, but it just sort of became something that I really enjoyed doing. And mm -hmm. probably also as a way to procrastinate other work, you know, like <laughs> you don't want to do your real work. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to like make my Instagram look cool or whatever. And it's honestly been so much fun. I, I love my Instagram. It feels like a weirdly like a thankless job. Like I don't think it gets a lot of appreciation. I'm certainly not doing it for the likes because it doesn't yeah. get very many, but I love it either way. And I've always told myself like I would, even if I had zero followers, I would still be making it exactly the way I am just because I, it's kind of just a creative outlet. Like I just like doing that instead of just posting the picture. I, I want it to all feel like this cool, cohesive thing. And sure. I don't think anybody does it. It feels like everybody does the same thing with their Instagram and, and I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Like I've seen other people do the grid and everything, but I just, it doesn't happen very often. And especially among like people I know and friends and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, it was kind of an accident, but I, I'm very, it's a very happy accident. Like I'm super stoked about it and I'm <laughs> saying that it's very cool because it's something I care a lot about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's sweet. Is it, I guess, representative kind of like your own like personal style or are you trying to like emulate kind of other artists at all with the the layout and kind of yeah. what you feature in it i i like to view it as i mean i think everybody's social media is this but it, it is a bit of like an idealized version of myself like i'm okay. trying to always put like the coolest version of me onto my instagram which like i said i think that's that's part of social media everybody's like not really trying to show their like bad side on social media but in terms of like people i don't know like emulating people there's only a couple other accounts that um come to mind and there's this guy I think his name is Casey I want to say Mick Perry I don't know exactly if that's his last name but I he has this really special system for his Instagram where he's actually got the grid figured out in a way that he can post one photo at a time and they all sort of they always line up which is something I oh. wish I had done um, it, it's 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 really it's kind of complicated like I don't I can't explain it without showing it but there's this way that he can post one picture at a time and it doesn't mess up all the others the way yeah. mine would if I sort of post it. He's definitely one that I'm sort of, uh, I think he, his Instagram is really cool. And I've tried to um, incorporate little elements. There's certain things that you can do on your Instagram like that I do that I'm trying to make it more that I can just post one picture at a time and it doesn't mess everything up. Uh, there's like little techniques you can do that without like changing the whole thing. But mm -hmm. Um, him and then I don't know Ariana Grande did like a she has like a an Instagram account for her like it's like her side Instagram account I think it's like Sweetener or something like that it was for the the album Sweetener and she does that whole grid thing so okay uh, those are the only two other people that I know that do something crazy like that I think I'm sure there's others but like I'm sure. definitely not like a revolutionary in that sense I just yeah I'm trying to be myself on it I guess I, the best version of myself it, it's interesting for me because I've talked to like everybody in your class at various stages throughout this past quarter. So yeah. is there anything for you who have finished up 
your five cores of Denver ad school that you can look back upon and, and like reflect, like that was really cool. And yeah. anything that you're really excited about either for yourself or also kind mm-hmm. of for the future of the school after being there at its infancy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the one, the one little piece of advice that I feel like stuck with me the most out of this whole entire experience was actually given to me from Johnny Black, that guy from Cast Iron Design, which is now the Office of Ordinary Things in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He talked to us. That class was really, I think, big, especially for the designers because only the like art directors and designers were in it. And he talked to us about working really, really like insanely hard. And it sounds like such a cliche thing or whatever, but a lot of people will try and tell you to relax and to enjoy the work-life balance or whatever, like form a good work-life balance and know to like do things like that. And I've, his, his advice was to basically forget about work-life balance, forget that that's even a thing and completely 100% devote yourself to like working and working really hard. And it sounds crazy. It sounds like wrong. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds like, what are you that or whatever. But I think the idea is that you do that. Now you do that at the beginning of, of your career or whatever it is, work as hard as you can, like too hard. Like don't talk to people, ruin all your social relationships. Don't <laughs> go, don't go outside. Don't do anything like literally become a recluse and just go 100% into it. And you'll set yourself up to have a great work-life balance later on in life because you're going to, and we'll see if this works. I'm trying to do it now. It's easier <laughs> said than done, but try to one, like literally just work a hundred percent, you know? And, and I think when you do that, that like, that's what's always made them the coolest is that they work harder than anybody else. It sounds so cliche, Oh, hard work or whatever. But it's like, if you really, really do that, I think, you can worry about relaxing and finding a work-life balance later. And I think we all at the school, especially in our class, this first class, like we have that attitude so much about stuff. Like we are all so, and it helps to be in a group of other people like that too. You know, like we're all in that together. We're all pushing each other constantly to be like, it's almost extreme. It should feel extreme. I would say like, if I, if there's anything I would want people to think is like, if, if, if you're not like exhausted, extremely exhausted, you're not working hard enough. Like you're not going hard enough. And, and I don't do it all the time, but you get <laughs> Yeah, no, I got you for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think that's definitely a reputation that your class had was just how hard everybody pushes each other and that kind of competitive yeah. spirit amongst the, the work. But I am really excited, you know, like I'm, I'm super excited for all of Denver ad school. I think it's such a cool thing and I think it's about to really pop off (laughs) and I don't know there's something about like the whole school that just feels really crazy to me and and you're a part of that as well like we're all like coming up together and it's just Mm going to be you know after after us I think every year is just going to be coming out better and better which is like I don't know that's like really exciting to me okay I have a hypothesis Riley is actually the Energizer Bunny He's insanely talented, and I'm pretty sure his brain never shuts off. In this edition of Ask the Host, Riley and I ponder the morality of going into advertising and talk about if there's hope for this apparently evil industry. Do you feel guilt about being in advertising? Do you feel a moral 
quandary. Do you wish you were a writer? <laughs> and and you know what I'm saying? Like, do you like? Does that make sense? Like, do you wish you were wrote novels in the same sense that like maybe I wish I was an artist? Like, do you feel yeah. bad? Do you feel bad contributing to advertising this the scum of the earth? <laughs> that's my a little pointed. But. That's a good question. So I. I love the idea of being either a novelist or I've talked to some other people about being like a, a sitcom writer mm. just because I, I love that kind of stories for stories sakes or for stories sake and being able to entertain people, but then also show people like something about the world in a way that's like different and like I, I grew up, I loved movies. I loved reading books. Like that, those were very impactful for me. So the idea of getting to then do that and pass that on was extremely exciting to me. Mm-hmm. But I guess a little bit, like I, I didn't want to go that starving artist route and like right. spend a lot of time doing that. And then, I don't know, just not necessarily cut it. And it was also kind of the deal where if I was just doing it on my own, then I wasn't holding myself to the mark as much. Right. So kind of from that artist perspective, like it feels like I'm maybe like selling out a little bit, Mm. but at the same time, I don't think that being in advertising limits my ability to then do that, whether I want to do that in my free time or if I want to kind of venture into like, maybe the TV world or something like that later on. Absolutely. Like, I, I feel like that's still a possibility. Yeah. You could definitely switch. I feel like a ton of people switch around. Yeah. I mean, it's when it comes down to it, you're doing creative work. And so yeah. you're still kind of practicing those chops. But so on the other hand, and I've talked about this with other people too, I came from a career in insurance that was mm-hmm. not creative at all. And the other side. if I had stayed in that, then I would have felt like more of a sellout because I would have just been kind of pursuing like corporate America for like money's sake. So then I could live outside of like work. Whereas I think advertising for me is way more exciting and reminiscent of who I am as a person to get to pursue something that's like creative for a goal. Absolutely. Like the only people who can, can judge you for that are the people who are artists or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't say that you're, you're a sellout unless like, you know, you got to look at your own job. A lot of people are not even doing anything creative with their job. Not that everyone needs to be creative or whatever, but like, yeah, I think that's a good point to that. But I think maybe like the ultimate question here is like, is, is advertising evil? Like is advertising bad? Mm -hmm. Is can it be saved? <laughs> so, I, I I suspect in a few years after working in the real world, where you know I don't get to pick and choose what brands I work on, mm. then I may like have different thoughts on this. Yes, I think like right now, like advertising, like there's there's that kind of fun, entertaining culture of advertising which at times can be good, but at other times isn't really appropriate. But I Mm -hmm. think now, especially there's a lot of opportunity for brands and companies to use advertising as their voice for kind of things that are a problem in society 
that we should recognize and by recognize them we can kind of be like on the path to improving them and that's not appropriate for every brand per se but i feel like especially with kind of the brands that are bigger and have clout there's a real opportunity that then advertising isn't an evil thing anymore instead it's this kind of um almost like examination of culture that is going to kind of push push us and make us think and then ultimately hopefully help everybody be better in society i feel like that's a very kind of like optimistic like philosophical look at it but i think there's that potential there you know i think you're absolutely right there's something about and it's funny because i've almost never it's weird i've never thought of it in that exact way of i really do think advertising is responsible for this this even this idea that uh, brands should be doing stuff to like make the world a better place. Like it almost feels like maybe we could take credit, not we personally, but advertising could take credit for that, that sort of push for like, now you see it all the time with brands, like standing up for like big, important things like this purpose advertising, like Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened if some crazy person in like, you know, some like ad agency didn't say, Hey, what if we put, Colin Kaepernick's face on the ad and said, stand for something. You know what I mean? Like if somebody hadn't said that, like that wouldn't have happened. It's like this sort of domino. Like sometimes it's like, it's, it's less consequential, but I think you're right in that the, the harm that advertising has done, you know, often is what gets all the attention over maybe some of that good thing. Like just even the idea that brands should be like nice and fixing the world and doing things like whether they're doing it genuinely or effectively, that's a different conversation. But like, at least there's that conversation of like, how, how do brands like make, how do businesses, corporations and brands make the world a better place and whatever that is. I think that's, that's really true. And that's such a good way to think about it because we do do that. Yeah, no, I think that, and that's been something that's really cool going through this program is I feel like Jesse and Heather and the students that are at the school, they aren't just interested in like making silly goofy things. Like everyone is committed to like also doing these things that are going to try to push, like push society and and make the world into a, a better place, which I think is, is very exciting and is even more so kind of a testament to like the cool, culture that Denver ad school has. Absolutely. It, it really is. And, and I'm a hundred percent an optimist too. So I'm like, I'm definitely on board with you. Like I love to, to talk shit about advertising and the, and the industry and society or whatever, but I ultimately, I believe in it. I do it. So, uh, I, I completely agree. It's a great yeah. answer. Well, folks, that's going to wrap up things for not only this episode, but also for my conversations with the members of the Pioneer Class of Denver Ad School. You are all crazy talented and will be missed, and I can't wait to see where you all land. Riley Draper will finish at Denver Ad School after the fall 2020 quarter. I'm Jeff Ulrey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Ad.